Well, the other day I was riding my bike through campus uh, when I saw a very familiar sight this time of year. It was a group of about 30 students and parents on campus tours. It's, uh, it's that time of the year again. It's hard to believe, isn't it? On, it just seemed like graduation was uh, just not too long ago. And on the heels of graduation are campus tours. And on the heels of campus tours are new students. And before you know it, it's going to be the start of a new school year. In not too many weeks from now, bedrooms are going to be cleared out and cars are going to be packed up and a vanguard of U-Haul trailers will descend on our campus and hundreds like ours. And mom and dad are going to drive Junior off to college. And for some families, it's going to be their first child off to school. And mom and dad will drive home, fighting back the tears all the way, singing Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon. Yeah. (laughs) And for other families, it'll be the final child that they send off. And mom and dad are going to drive away deliriously happy. And in the words of Braveheart, freedom! Not that that's a personal testimony or anything like that, you know. So... But seriously, some of those those partings are going to be emotional uh, and some are going to be matter of fact. And for some, silence will occupy uh, most of the trip to school. And then they'll arrive and when it's their turn, they'll unload the cars and they'll situate the rooms and they might make a trip to the superstore to pick up some stuff. And then after the room is set up, it'll be time. Time to go. Time to leave. Time to pull away. And time to speak those last words. Those departing words. And you know, getting those last words out can be torture. Last words. Last words to a college student. Last words to a bride-to-be. Last words to a daughter. Deployed. Last words. And it's as if, you know, you're trying to cram a lifetime of parental advice into just a few short, choppy sentences and You stumble and stammer and try to get the words out before you say goodbye. Have you been there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you can feel where I'm coming from, then you should have no problem understanding our scripture verse today in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 to 28. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to the New Testament book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to be reading verses 12 to 28. You'll find that on page 988 of your church Bibles, page 988. And it's like the Apostle Paul is about ready to pull out. And before he leaves, he's, you know, he's kind of run out of parchment and he's only got so much space left. And so he crams together a series of staccato sentences as if he's getting ready to leave. And let's listen to what he has to say. Beginning in verse 12, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, 
Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is God's word. Last words. And they can be torture. And especially so for the great apostle Paul, who unapologetically admits his love for this young church. Why we've read in 1 Thessalonians that he loves them like a nursing mother loves her newborn. That's chapter 2, verse 7. You can't get any more tender than that. And he also loves them like a father loves his children, encouraging them, coaching them, challenging them. We read that in chapter 2, verse 12. And you can't get a better launch than that. He's absolutely crazy about this young church that he, by the power of God, helped start in the city of Thessalonica. He tells them, you know, we were delighted not only to share the gospel of God, but our very lives, because you had become so dear to us. Chapter 2, verse 8. He's crazy about them. And so in these final verses before signing off, you know, Paul stammers and stumbles and spews out, 20 instructions, 20 directives. What a temptation for a pastor to just do a series on each of those 20 directives. I will spare you of this. Is there a unifying theme though? Is there some big idea that we can organize these directives for us here today? Well, let me ask this question. Wouldn't it be great to have the quality of relationships that we've read about throughout this entire letter? Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great to to have the quality of a relationship similar to that of the tenderness of a mother for her infant daughter or the wisdom of a caring father for his sons? Wouldn't it be great to have the kind of relationship where you can actually say, I'm so proud of you. You're my joy. You're my crown. Wouldn't it be great to have the kind of relationships where you could say, We were delighted not only to share the gospel of God, but our very lives with you because you had become so dear to us. What's it take to have that kind of a healthy relationship with your friends, with your spouse? Mature relationships, strong relationships, healthy relationships. Do you want that, do you? Well, Paul says in these verses, then learn to love in a thousand little ways. Learn to love in a thousand little ways. You see, healthy churches come from members who've learned to love in a thousand little ways. Healthy marriages come from spouses who've learned to love one another in a thousand little ways. Healthy friendships come from friends who have learned to love one another in a thousand little ways. 
Paul's trying to tell us here, it's our big idea. It's what I want us to walk away with here this morning if we walk away with nothing else. Healthy relationships come from learning to love in a thousand little ways. These verses describe a thousand little ways, a thousand things, little things done well with consistency over time that build healthy relationships. That These are little commands, right? You know, be at peace. Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, do this, don't do that, start this, stop that. And why does Paul mention these thousand little things? Here's why. Uh, it's, it's on a phrase, it's a phrase, it's a slogan that Robin Williams made famous years ago in the movie Dead Poet Society, Carpe Diem. What's that mean? Seize the day. Well, Paul takes it further. Carpe Momentum. Seize the moment. Seize the moment. You see, your life and my life consist of a series of carpe momentum experiences. The fact is God did not create you to live your life uh, uh, from one giant seismic life-altering moment to another giant seismic life-altering moment. Week after week after week after week after week. He He didn't wire us that way. You might have, when you think about it, three or four, four at the most, giant seismic life-altering moments in your existence. But we don't live from seismic to seismic. We don't. Uh, Our circuits would fry. (laughs) Rather, God has chosen to craft our lives, develop our relationships, and mature our friendships, and grow our church community through the little moments Repeated day after day after day after day after day. And so every day, every day we place little bricks on the foundation of what our life will be. Every day. These bricks are the little words we say and the little decisions that we make and the little thoughts we think and the little interactions that we have. Every day we place bricks which eventually form a building. Every day we take part in shaping a structure which will reflect the shape of our friendships, our marriages. Our church, every day, every day you're adding another layer of bricks that will decide what your marriage, what your friendships, what your relationship, and what your church will look like. And that makes every person in this room a bricklayer, an artisan mason, someone who skillfully and strategically places the bricks that will make up the building. And and that truth alone just jolts me out of my bed of idle stupor, really. Because all too often I forget that. I get lazy. I get careless. I forget the importance of those little moments. And you know why? Because they're little. That's why. When in fact the opposite is true. Those little moments are significant because they're little. And these little moments make up our lives. These little moments decide the trajectory of our future. These little moments shape our community. These little moments shape our relationship, and our friendships, and our marriages. And these verses challenge us to take a moment-by-moment approach to everything in our lives. And that means the careful selection and strategic placement of those bricks, those little bricks, those little thoughts, and little words, and little conversations, and little interactions, and little decisions that shape the course of our life. That's why in verses 12 to 13, Paul tells the church family to to esteem their leaders, their elders, 
Their deacons honor them for their work, not for their title, but for their work, their ministry. The, the leaders at this new church, they're, my goodness, they're praying, they're sifting what's taught to make sure it's truth and not error. They're preparing for the Sunday gathering, which would back then take place at someone's home. And, and, and that would involve meals. And so there's preparations and details and logistics there. And then during the week, there's encouragement and follow-up to do. And there's just spiritual parenting. And why are they doing this? Because they love God and love people. That's why. But it's not in one grand momentous event. It's moment by moment, day by day, event by event. And Paul says, honor these leaders. And the way you can honor them is to be at peace among yourselves. You want to lighten the load of your leaders? Then get along with one another. That little gift will help them greatly. That's why in verses 14 and 15, Paul urges the church to be on the lookout for one another. The task of shepherding and caregiving and pastoring in the local church must never fall exclusively on the leaders. The flock needs to shepherd the flock. And some of the flock are, well, they need a little more extensive shepherding. Paul says in verse 14, you know, admonish the idol. Who's that? Well, that word means undisciplined, unruly. In fact, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul will, Paul will tell, tell the church that these idle, these undisciplined, these unruly brothers and sisters, they're not busy at work, they're busy bodies. Admonish them, warn them, reprimand them. Others in the church are faint-hearted. What's that? Literally, that means small of heart. Small of heart. The idea is that they're tired and timid. They're exhausted and unsure. They lack spiritual and emotional strength, leading to a lack of confidence and courage. So Paul says, I want you to give the small of heart, heart. I want you to encourage them. I want you to enlarge their hearts with the heart of Christ. And then Paul says, help the weak. By that, I take it physically weak. The frail. Those who have no voice. Those who cannot help themselves. Help them. Oh, and one more thing, Paul says, be patient with them all. Be patient with them all. Does, does it surprise us to need to exercise patience among the church family? It shouldn't. There's only sinners in this place. Be patient, Paul says. And these, these verses are for the whole church family. We need to shepherd one another. And that then leads to the kind of attitudes that will make for effective shepherding. Verses 16 to 18. Paul talks about the little attitudes that we carry which can affect us for good or not. Always rejoice, he says. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Really, Paul? Really? Oh, yes. Really. And here's why. Any hardship that comes your way has first gone through your heavenly Father before it gets to you. And so when it finally gets to you, it comes to you for some purpose that you may not know or you may never know, but it's there to help you become more and more like Jesus. And then Paul says in verses 19 to 22, I want you to pay attention to, the, to what God is saying do not quench the spirit, he says in verse 
19. What does that mean? It means don't extinguish the Spirit's influence in your life. Take to heart, pay attention to, respond to the Holy Spirit's promptings to follow Christ. And and don't dismiss prophecy either. Let me define that term too. New Testament prophecy is a spoken gospel truth grounded in the word of God for the encouragement of the church. I'll say that again. New Testament prophecy, a spoken gospel truth grounded in the word of God for the encouragement of the church. And such spoken truths are to be tested against the word of God. We are to weigh those words against the gospel to see if they're accurate. And if they pass the test, they're not to be despised or disregarded. See, our gatherings in community are to orbit God and his word and his will. Our small groups and our insight classes and our Sunday messages need to include words such as, let's open our Bible and let's see what God has to say. Then let's act on it. These are the thousand little bricks which shape our church. Little acts of love to our leaders. and Little acts of love to one another. And little acts of love to God consistently over time. And here's the significance of all of this. See, churches and relationships and marriages... They, they never mature instantly. They never mature instantly. And they never, they never deteriorate immediately either. They always mature. They always grow. They always develop progressively. Progressively. Churches mature progressively. Marriages mature progressively. Friendships mature progressively. And, and they go bad progressively. Progressively, Think about your marriage for a minute. Let's say you fight for your way in the little things rather than seeing them as an opportunity to serve your spouse. Let's say you let yourself go to bed irritated night after night after a little disagreement. Let's say day after day you leave for work without a moment of tenderness between you and your spouse. Let's say that you allow yourself to do rude little things that you would never have done during courtship. Let's say you quit asking for forgiveness in the little moments of wrong and and then you complain about how the others uh, do these little things when it really doesn't make any difference at all. You make little decisions without consultation. What do you think is going to happen progressively? Think about your church family. Let's say you stop reading your Bible. Let's say you get lazy in your prayer life. Let's say you quit investing in the friendships in your church family. And let's say you you don't take advantage of the missional opportunities, whether it's a trip to the Dominican Republic or serving at Salt and Light or Fellowship of Christian Athletes or Youth for Christ. Let's say you don't exercise the spirit-given gifts and talents and abilities that he has given you. And then you wonder why you're not feeling connected. Listen, listen, there's no such thing as churchless Christianity. On the other hand, let's say that you begin praying every day for your elders and deacons. Let's say you begin to let them know how grateful you are to God for their ministry because they get zero dollars for their service. Let's say you promise that you're going to live at peace with your brothers and sisters in Christ because a peaceful flock makes the elders happy. 
Let's say you learn to tenderly encourage those in the church with small hearts and you learn to lovingly say to those with idle hearts, this needs to change, how can I help? Let's say you learn to notice those with frail hearts and then through the Spirit's help, you show patience with the extra grace required among us. And all of these little moments and activities are immersed in a life of prayer and gratitude to God in which you rejoice in all situations, even when others mistreat you for your faith in Christ. Now, if we, not just you, but we, all of us, by God's strength, if we would commit ourselves to progressive encouragement, progressive love, and progressive kindness, you know what would happen. You know, over time, Little by little, moment by moment, brick by brick together, we would become what God has called us to be, a life-changing community of authentic believers passionately pursuing Christ. Amen? And then here's what we would discover. We would discover that the God of peace himself is sustaining us. Verse 23 now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God himself, the God of peace, he is progressively keeping us until the appearing of the king. You see, we are heirs, aren't we? Heirs of an eternal kingdom, and no one can separate us from the love of God, which is ours through Christ Jesus, our Lord. God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we live or die, we might be with him. Moment by moment, God is loving us in a thousand little consistent ways to keep us until that day. The one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. It's no wonder then Paul says in verse 27, I want this letter read out loud. I want everyone to hear it. I want the elders and the deacons and the leaders and the teachers. I want the faint-hearted to hear it. I want the hard-hearted to hear it. I want the busybodies to hear it. You read this out loud so everyone can hear what I'm saying loud and clear. Healthy relationships come from learning to love in a thousand little ways. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. One more thing. Before I pray, I've got a little request of us. Take a look at this passage of Scripture. Look at it in your Bibles. Pick one of those instructions. Pick one of those instructions and become an expert at practicing it this week. Pick one of those verses and become an expert at practicing it this week. And, and yes, I can see what verse 26 says, smarty pants, greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. All right, I get it. Don't make me come down there. All right. Seriously, choose one of these verses, huh? Select one of these bricks and pray, God, what little act of love would you like from me today? Let's pray.